Hello everyone. You've noticed that I had a little break between episodes this week, and that's because of last-minute cancellations and delays. I guess life happens, and if you are into astrology, I will just blame Mercury retrograde. So this week, I had the immense pleasure to interview Noeli Mishu, who is the founder of 456 Skin. When speaking to her, I was really impressed by her tenacity, attention to detail, and vision. I hope you will find it as inspiring as I did. Enjoy. Welcome everyone. I'm incredibly happy to have Noeli Mishu join us today. As you know, I promised that I will be having speakers from the beauty industry and Noeli Mishu is the perfect person to talk to us today. I attended the FT Luxury Business Summit where Noeli was one of the speakers. I was very inspired and impressed by Noelle's vision and tenacity that is quite unique to fashion and beauty entrepreneurs. She's the founder of 456. It's a skincare brand that focuses on melanin-rich skin and providing them with the best products. Aside from fulfilling a need in the market, what is unique about the brand is their advanced formulations, clean formulas, recyclable packaging. Welcome, Noeli. Thank you so much. Oh, wow. <laughs> what an intro. Oh, my. Thank you, Neri. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Likewise, I'm very excited. We are finally making it happen today. I know, right? This has been a long time coming. Oh, my. <laughs> I'm so happy we finally found the time to do this. I've been looking forward to this. Likewise, very much so. So could you please tell us about yourself and your own journey with skincare? Oh, yeah. So my name is Noeli Michu. So it's pronounced Michu. <laughs> I, um, I was born in Cameroon, which is in West Central Africa, for those who do not know. And I grew up in France, in, in Normandy. After high school, I moved to Paris to pursue my education and a bigger life, I would say. And yeah, from age 17, I kind of balanced school and all kinds of side hustles, you know, did all the job to finance um, my education, waitress, kitchen porter, cleaning houses, babysitting, sales receptionist, anything that paid the bill, which was really challenging at such a young age, but also really fun and empowering, right? At the same time, you get to learn that well, you can have your own back, which is an amazing, amazing lesson to have in your early 20s. I, um, my studies and my work kind of took me to, to Paris and then London and back to Paris and then in New York City, where I had a really diverse career. I'm calling it diverse today. <laughs> back in it, I was like, this is hectic. This is not going anywhere. You need to figure yourself out, girl. <laughs> and um, yeah, that kind of spanned from headhunting to doing business intelligence consultancy for a pharmaceutical company to purchasing, to e-commerce. And my whole life, I always felt like, you know, that diversity was just not the best thing for a stable career. But just seeing where I am today, I'm glad I made those decisions because it, it took away the fear of starting over, right? The fear of getting out of my comfort zone and told me that even if you don't know, 
anything is um, figureoutable as long as you put your mind to it, which is something that really also empowered me to start my brand. And so today I am the mother of two and I am the founder and CEO of an awesome skincare brand called uh, 456 Skin. And for those who don't know, 456 Skin is a first of its kind premium skincare brand that really harnesses melanin-driven skincare science and technology to create fresh, personalized skincare for darker skin tone, completely clean. And yeah, and we're really out here doing everything that we can to close the skincare race gap and create formulations that really change people's skin for the better, that brings results and uh, and gives them their confidence back. So yeah, that's, that's about me. And... <laughs> Now to my journey with skincare. Well, I guess my journey with skincare really started when I realized how much unhealthy skin was impacting my self-confidence and kind of the way I showed up to the world. You know, as a as a black teenager growing up in Normandy in a really small village, I I was so lucky as a teenager to not have like hormonal acne or any skin issues. Really, like I remember in high school, me and my sister would be like, oh my God, I'm so glad we're not having cystic acne or hormonal acne as we saw our schoolmates just going through it. And the only thing that we were struggling with, I would say, was just finding those basic skincare products uh, that were adapted to our skin. Just something that would really moisturize the skin. So like having that dry skin, uh, especially on the body, was one of our main concerns. And I remember that we would mix those body creams that you get at the pharmacy with shea butter that my mom brought from Cameroon to kind of soothe the skin. And it just, the smell was awful, you know, but that, that, that was the main problem there and it was okay, really, we dealt with it. But my interest with face care really started when I moved to Paris, you know, to go to university. And that was the first time I was moving to such a big city. And I guess pollution did not agree with me, you know. <laughs> And that really triggered, it triggered allergies, all kinds of allergies that I didn't have before. And then I started having acne and then the acne brought acne scars and then dark spots and my skin got drier and it, it looked really dull. And this is when I started my struggle discovery, right? What we call in the culture the struggle discovery. This is when you start trying anything and everything to try to fix your skin and really anything that gives a promise of oh it would clear a dark spot or heal this you just you just buy it and just to realize that using all these different products were kind of making my skin worse so I got into makeup to hide the, the problem you know this is just what you do you you just bury it under under a lot of makeup while continuing to search for that magic formula that would help and it's really this path that kind of led me to dedicating more time to learn about my skin and learn about what I mean I need that probably was not out there and just looking at my white girlfriends like the issues they were having they were different from my issues and certain skin conditions were not affecting us the same way and yeah, that was really my journey with skincare, a lot of trial and errors. But today I am in such an amazing place with my skin. I actually feel really proud of my skin when I 
remember back in the days where I could not get out without my makeup because I felt my skin was just not presentable. And today I've had such a great journey with it that has led me to not only improving my own confidence, but also starting this brand that's really changing a lot of women's skin for the better. And yeah, we've been changing so many lives, kind of one awesome formula at a time. So it was a Basically, there is a gap in the market that you identified, but this was led by your own frustration, which is... Absolutely, yeah. What initial steps did you take to make it happen? How was the beginning of the journey for you, starting four, five, six? Absolutely. So this really happens naturally. Like I never had plans, like I told you about the career that I was having before the careers. I never envisioned myself as an entrepreneur because that's just not a path that you take when you you are someone like me, you know. Our parents did teach us to seek for security, you know. Um, as immigrant parents, this is the only thing they were about. Go to school, go as far as you can go and get a stable job. So being an entrepreneur or starting a brand was really not <laughs> something that I was hoping to do back then. But I moved to New York in 2013 and I was working there as an e-commerce uh, brand manager in this French agency that managed a full funnel of French luxury brands in the Northern American markets. And so I had um, a very diverse portfolio of brands, but one of them was Black Cup Cosmetics. And it was one of the few makeup brands that were doing high-end makeup for darker skin tone and so I kind of fell in love with this brand and while developing it in the U.S. I kind of found myself in this very interesting space where I was working with a lot of makeup artists and talking to beauty editors, working with influencers and talking to customers every day. I love doing customer service and what I was hearing from these women that were, yes, Black, but also like Indian women, Latin American women, just women that had more melanin in their skin, is that they were having the same kind of struggle that I had, you know, being in Europe. And, and the fact that this was happening in the U.S. kind of made me go, hmm, I thought that, you know, this country is so diverse. So exactly, women of color here, they have everything. And it was really not the case. And so... That really, it, it got me to, you know, start thinking. I became really curious. I was trying to understand the correlation between these women not being satisfied, yes, with the makeup, but also with skincare and the fact that they had melanin in their skin. And when I came back to Europe in 2017 and I had had my first child and then my second child, I kind of decided that I was not going back to agency, mm-hmm. that I wanted to take the time to, kind of figure out this idea that was brewing within me. I had identified this gap. I, 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 I saw the, the pain and the struggles of these women and like I could identify to them because I had them too. And so when I finished my, um, just taking care of my, my, my second child, I decided that I was going to pursue this project. So I started doing a lot more research to kind of understand the market dynamic and gather scientific data on melanin rich skin and kind of understand why this amazing product on the market did not satisfy me or women of color. And just discovering the, the Fitzpatrick scale and the scientific evidence that comes after it that shows that yes, 
you have this different skin type, what we call the skin phototypes, which um, kind of reference the skin with their ability to sunburn and how much melanin they have. But that really the, the color, you know, it was only the, the, the visible differences that this skin also have functional differences. You know, the skin is, is thicker uh, in a way, it's more denser, which impacts how you hydrate it. I understood why hyperpigmentation was such a huge problem for me, which was not the case for darker skin tone. And just figuring out all these physiological differences and just learning that it was not my skin that was not compliant with the product. It was rather the products that were not adapted to the physiology of my skin was kind of a, a huge aha moment. And that's where, when I really decided to go for it. And it was not an easy process. Here I was with like this really great idea, but no knowledge of how to create a formula or start a business. And I had no money, no partner. And so I just had to figure everything else. So I started contacting some labs and the response I got from labs was really funny because they, they all told me the same thing. We don't do specific research for darker skin tone, but we do have great formulas that are already tested on white skin. So you can just take them, tweak them a little bit, add shea butter and this, and you, you're good to go. So I was like, no. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, that's not that's not what I'm trying to do. But this is really how the industry is set up, right? You have the big conglomerate that are able to do their own research because they have the money and the the the, the capabilities. But 99% of independent brands that you see out there, this is their process. They go to an established lab, they buy what we call a white label formula, and then they just go to market with it and they change their marketing. And I didn't want to do that. So I figured out that the best way to create authentic formulas was to have a formulator as a partner. So I started looking for one and I was lucky to find this formulator, this guy um, in Lyon and I pitched him the project and he was so excited, so motivated and we started working together and right when we were about to formalize the relationship, you know, really create the company, he tells me, I don't want to be an entrepreneur, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, you're on your own. <laughs> that was, that really, really Oh my God, that broke my heart. I remember crying so, so much. So after that step back, I kind of went to the French Cosmetic Ballet. So I don't know if you know about the Cosmetic Ballet in France is this huge network that was set up by some of the biggest brands uh, in France and the French government to help foster innovation uh, within the cosmetic sector in France. And so they have this program called Cosmetop where people can go and pitch their ideas. And if you meet specific criteria, then you can be admitted to the program. And this would um, open doors, you know, for you to meet formulators and uh, manufacturers and uh, all sorts of people, you know, in the industry that you need to actually create your, your brand. So I went there and pitched my project to the jury and I was so lucky that within the jury there were um, directors from the LVMH research center and at the end of my presentation they asked me how they could help and I told them I really would love to meet a formulator to do this project with me 
And that's how I kind of met Iman, Iman Jarbi, who is uh, my co-founder, and she is an amazing skin scientist. She's a doctor in pharmacy with this amazing expertise in formulating prescriptive skincare for melanin in skin specifically. And so that's how I met I met Iman, and we were the laureates of the cosmetic uh, program that year, which got us an incubation with the LVMH Research Center through the Cosmetop program. And that's how 456 really, really started. We got a lab and then I had a formulator and someone who were really who was really aligned with what I wanted to do. And that's how the, the projects um, really started. And it's been such a journey from there, from going through an intensive R&D process to um, starting our own lab, building our own lab with our own research department and our own manufacturing units and creating the brand, launching it and creating the website. And so we are one of the, the few D2C out there that is in full control of our entire process from R&D to where we sell the, the products. That's incredible. It also, you know, it reminds me of my own journey starting out as well as you are talking, because with my own company as well, I own and have control over the supply network and manufacturing. And we also started our own factory because if you want to create a high quality product and you don't find something out there, but what you have gone through your own journey as well sounds it's very difficult and I'm I'm really pleased that you are telling us all the steps and all the challenges that it took you to get here. Oh, I mean, it's such a path, right? Uh, it's like a lot of, there's so much that comes from it. It's just like anything in life, right? 50-50, you get 50% of the time. It's just struggles and hurdles and pain and disappointments and rejections and and step backs and then 50% is, is, is also growth and you get to meet amazing people and um, you get to meet people that believe in you, that encourage you to keep fighting for your idea. So it, it's been an amazing professional and personal journey as well. And I wouldn't change the whole thing. <laughs> can, you, can you remind us when did you start exactly? Yeah, so I started formalizing the idea in 2018. Yeah, early 2018. I went through the whole process with the first formulator that year. And then it was the summer of 2018 that he actually told me, okay, I'm not doing this. So it was like, we're starting over. Then I went uh, to the Cosmetop program that year, met Iman and early 2019, we started the R&D process, like actually being in a lab and started putting the formulations together. And we launched in November, 2020. Uh, so it's been almost a year that we've been um, yeah, live with 056 Skin. Wow, and then the pandemic hit. I remember reading about the challenges you faced during the pandemic. Could you tell us oh. a bit about it? Oh, all <laughs> that. It's, it's amazing how the minds forget. So much happens. You just forget about those um, deliciously painful times. Um, yeah, the pandemic really hit at that moment where we had made 
amazing progresses with our, our formulas. And we were getting to the point where we were like, okay, how are we going to manufacture these products? Because we have this customized process. You know, we're not doing manufactured products, which is easier because you can create your own formula and then find a manufacturer that would produce them for you. But because we wanted to do customized formulation, it was impossible to find a manufacturer that would just take us with our process and also small MOQs. So we decided that we were going to start our own life. So this is just a challenge that comes to you and you figured out a way to overcome the challenge and that becomes an asset to your company. That's how the life came to be. This is not something that we we meant to do at the beginning, but we had to do it if we wanted to produce our formula the way we wanted it and not do, not make any compromise uh, at all with the quality uh, that we wanted to put in these products. And so we um, find a space in the Cosmetic Valley in France where we're going to build the lab. And I remember signing the first check for the lab renovation. And literally the next day, the French president, Emmanuel Macron, announced that the whole country was going in lockdown. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this is it then. We didn't know when people would get back to work, where we could finish the lab, and everything just was not going well. Our role, uh, our packaging supplier, which we had been working with, was a company um, from Italy, and we had been working with them for six months to create these amazing packagings that we wanted to do, they just send us an email and say, we have to close. <laughs> and so we don't know when we'll be able to open up. So basically this project is dead. And we had to figure out a way to get packaging. And again, that was another challenge that we had to overcome. And by overcoming it, we made our process even more integrated because we decided, okay, we were going to buy just plain packaging ourselves small quantities and then buy a printer um, to to create the, the labels and the customization labels and that is something that we internalize as well into our process so it also became a strength and yeah just like a, a lot happened and it was so hard to find people to work on the website everything was really complicated but because we were such a small team it was literally just Iman and myself back then, and with the help of some freelancers, we were able to be really agile with our decisions and move forward. And when we launched, we're like, okay, this is amazing. We actually have uh, a process that is fully integrated from A um, to Z. And we love this. We love this new position, you know, 456. And this is going to really put us in a position where we can keep up with innovation and make no compromise with what, with what we feel is the best uh, product to make for our, our customers. So, yeah, it was a very, very, very interesting time. We learned a lot and it made us so much more resilient. So, yeah, when life gives you lemon, you know, you just got to make that lemonade. <laughs> the essence of entrepreneurship. And, you know, you are describing these challenges. I think you can fit them into 10 years, five years, let's say. But you, it has been only just in a few years, a lot of challenges yeah. back to back. And kudos to you how you've overcome them. And, you know, for the listeners who actually maybe they are hearing four or five skin 
for the first time. Can you tell us how did you come up with the name and what's significant about it? Oh, yeah, the name. <laughs> yeah, that was another funny story. Um, so initially, when I created the company at Zin, really administratively creating the company, I called it Riz Cosmetic. And Riz was R-Y-S, and that stood for Reclaim Your Skin. Mm. Because that was really where I was uh, at the time. I was like, this is about reclaiming our skin. This is about us, Black women, women of color, finally being in a space where we can create products that work for the physiology of our skin. And we don't have to make do with whatever the industry is offering today because that does not work for us. It's reclaim your skin, do what's right for your skin, get that knowledge, make sure you put yourself to a path of healthy skin and reclaim your confidence, you know, and the acceptance of who you are with your melanin rich skin. So I was really proud of uh, that. <laughs> Reclaim your skills, like this works. <laughs> but as <laughs> as we moved um, forward with you know the formulas and creating the brand, I was like, okay, maybe race is is people not really going to understand, you know, what RYS means, and people will read it rise or raise, and it, it was just not presenting what we wanted the, the, the brand to really mean to people. And so we decided to keep the company uh, as Riz Cosmetique, but to find a different name for the brand. And so Riz Cosmetique is still an entity today. It's actually the entity behind 456 Skin Brand. And then we had to find a new name for the brand. And so I hired this uh, branding specialist and we went back and forth with so many names and none of them were working. I was like, no, this is too African-American. That's too French. This does not say who we are. And I'm not feeling this. And then there was three of us trying to make a decision on the name, you know, how we can get. And we were just not getting anywhere. And then uh, one day, this guy, Patrick, that we were working with, I think he sent an email and say what's about four, five, six? And we kind of all laugh. I was like, that is a, a very interesting name. No one in the cosmetic realms is calling their brand, you know, using numbers. Yeah. And then that day I went back home and I was like, but this is actually a brilliant idea. You know, yes, we I love are, the, by the way, I love the name. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is a brilliant idea because we are, a brand that is rooted in you know in science truly we have a real scientific process the people behind this brand beside myself are scientists we have dr charles who is a board certified dermatologist in new york city this is what he does day in and day out he's done it for over 15 years treating melanin rich skin we have a man who's a doctor in pharmacy we are rooted in science and we want this brand to, to kind of go beyond the melanin, right? Beyond the fact that this is for people of color. And we want it to be about the skin physiology, about what that means in terms of skincare. 
and how we need to have a melanin-driven and a physiology-based approach to skincare for melanin-rich skin people. And 456 drew me back to the Fitzpatrick phototyping system, right? I, uh, I explained this before. Fitzpatrick was an American dermatologist who classified humans in six phototypes. Phototype one, two, three, Caucasian skin. Mm-hmm. Four, five, six, and four type are those with higher uh, melanin content in, in their skin. They also have different dermatologic principles. And so we were like, this is what we want. We want a name that sparks the question, what is 456? So we can just hit it right on with the education and telling people about their skin phototypes, their skin physiology, and how that really requires an, um, a different attention to how skincare is made for them. And that name really grew on me. And I was the one that had to convince my partner, like, this is what's a great name for us. <laughs> and so so yeah, we kind of went with four, five, six, saying this would be so different. People would be like, but why four, five, six? What does it mean? And it would be a fantastic way to introduce the whole Fitzpatrick and phototyping system and just talk about scientific aspect of the brand rather than talk about skin color and all those things that really have no scientific value. And what is a must-have product from the four, five, six skincare range? Oh, that's a tough question, you know. Obviously, I'm completely biased (laughs) to these products. I have been using them for almost two years now. You know, the first test formula that came out of the, you know, that first messenger from the lab, I was the person who tried it. And I was able to really go through the whole process of changing my skin thanks to these products. So I love them all. And the way we created this range was really to work as a team with certain products, having each product having a leading role for a specific issues, but also getting support by the other products to have and even better efficacy in resolving the problem. So I, I love all the products, I obviously use them differently, you know, depending on the season. Right now we're getting into winter, winter time where my skin gets a lot drier and my skin also gets a lot more duller just because there's there's no sun outside and my natural exfoliation process is also slowed down. So right now I am loving our cleansing oil. I am using our exfoliant a lot. And obviously I'm always using our 70 Delights brightening serum, which is our best seller. And this product is really filled to the brain with like antioxidant and nourishing and calming ingredients. And we also formulated it with seven different active ingredients that tackle hyperpigmentation through um, seven different melanin pathways to really make sure that we are brightening the skin without ever bleaching it. So uh, I would say this is a must-have within um, our audience. So yeah, 70 Delights is really the one I wouldn't uh, be able to live without today. Yeah. Brilliant. And uh, you know, one of the things as we are talking about that stands out to me, you are one of the first brands and a unique brand to come up and say, there is actually not enough skincare. I can find a skincare to suit my needs. And that's about 
in a way, lack of diversity, not only in beauty, but also in the fashion industry that has been happening. I wrote a book and the publisher at the end of me writing the book says to me, I'm sourcing the photos. And she was saying, you need to make sure there is a diversity in the photos. You know, Noeli, this is so naive, almost like I was I, as if someone punched me in the stomach. This is the feeling I got because when I looked at the photos, I can find because guess what? There hasn't been a diversity in the fashion industry. Yeah. So I wrote an article about it because I was so moved by it in a, in a, in a way that I was just like thinking this is not right. And I hope we start to change the narrative. I hope we start to do better as a, as a society, as humanity, because it's not okay that, uh, you know, when I'm asked to find photos that showcase the diversity of the fashion industry, it's not possible because there hasn't been. And uh, 456 Skin is also one of the examples that you started and we are in 2021. And it's amazing that most of the society, and you talked about it in the FD as well in the conference, uh, most of our society, the majority of it, and you can explain it better, I'm paraphrasing, uh, but uh, what can you tell us about the diversity, the lack of diversity? Oh, well, such, I think we, we, we need a whole podcast, <laughs> a whole different podcast about, about this one, um, really. But, I mean, we, we're, we're not going to um, say anything new if we say that, yeah, diversity has definitely been an issue, diversity in the beauty industry. I mean... And, and the problem is rooted really deeply. You know, if you take it to, if you go to the dermatologic world, right, which, you know, skincare is kind of a, um, a, a science that comes from, it's a composite science that takes a lot of learnings from, from the, the dermatologist world as well. And even then, like if you go online and you try to type a skin concern, you would only see the skin concern as it manifests on white skin. Then all the treatment for different skin concern are made for white skin and then tested on them only without yeah. no consideration of you know the different impacts that that may have on darkened skin tones because they have different dermatologic principles. And if you if you kind of mix that with the fact that just society as you know the, the the beauty when we talk about beauty today beauty standard in society those are also based on uh, you know white skin and people with darker skin tone as they've always been left outside of you know the beauty equation and then you look at the way R and D is done today. With that in, in our industry, when formulas are, are created, when they are tested, they're tested also on white skin, really. The, the problem also then continues with representation uh, or lack of thereof in, in, in campaigns and in, in even photos. And I completely relate to the issue you're talking to if you try to find a woman of color diverse in color in terms of photo it's it's really hard and you do see the same photos of the same women in all of the, the website <laughs> just because you don't have enough so it's a problem that you really find at each stage of the process 
But I, I feel really hopeful because today the, the, the genie is out of the box, right? Um, we have awareness. I, I feel like 10 years ago, we were not even talking about this issue outside of the concerned communities because no one had uh, a real awareness of any problem existing. Now we have awareness and we are in such a better place. We're, we're having these conversations and we're having so many entrepreneurs um, from the communities that are doing their best, really participating and, and helping to create the solutions that we have not been able to find for ourselves. So it's an amazing time. But I always say that it's almost a shame because sparking the conversation about diversity was such an amazing opportunity for, for society to, to move on in a way that was really inclusive and empowering of everyone. And sometimes it does feel like it has become just a, a marketing terms. You know, people check boxes and they put, you know, black and brown hands and they think, or they put a, a photo of a model in their campaign, a black model, and they say, this is it, we are diverse. While the problem, at its roots, it's not really being um, addressed. And what I would like to see, it's for brands to really think of women of color when they start their R&D process and in trying to understand how the formulas that they're creating would interact with skins that are not white skin. And for me, that would be real inclusivity, right? Um, including people that are different and their nuances from the beginning of the process, not just thinking about them right at the end when you're targeting them for marketing. And this is this is what I would like to see happen in the industry. And sometimes I really question if this if it is even possible, you know, now that I've seen how the industrial process is for cosmetics and just how heavy it is, I am really starting to think that it may take a lot of time and maybe it's not possible for this huge uh, beauty conglomerate to be truly inclusive because that would require not only a mindset shift, you know, they would need to do this 360 in how they think and how they perceive beauty and how they perceive women of color, but also, in, you know, apply those changes in the industrial process, which is so heavy with regulation and administration and bureaucracy. So that change may happen, but it's not going to happen as fast as we would like to see it. And this is why it's interesting to see new players like ours that have the agility to implement change faster, come in this space and really start writing the, the playbook and how we should be doing skincare and beauty products for people with melanin-rich skin. So I think it's a fantastic time and it creates opportunities for founders of underrepresented uh, backgrounds uh, like myself. So I think it's a fantastic time. Absolutely. And uh, what advice would you have for founders like yourself, for aspiring entrepreneurs in the beauty industry? Yeah, I would tell them people who have melanin skin, right? They represent 60% of the world population, right? And sometimes I hear people say, well, this, this space is so crowded. There are so many brands that are now targeting darker skin tone and I'm like really like how many let's count no seriously let's just count <laughs> you know <laughs> 
can we talk about the ratio to how many brands are focusing on white skin and the the you know and how many brands are actually focusing on darker skin tone and really going into the R&D process of creating products that are adapted to this skin we're not even close you know to to being there yet so I would encourage them to to join this movement. We need more people coming into the industry with new ideas because at the end of the day, even if it is competition, we are trying to move the industry forward. And I think the strength comes in the number. We need to see like a really successful company emerge within this sector that is strictly focusing on melanin and rich skin. And so I would tell them, be brave and get in the space and fight for their ideas and not really listen to anyone that's saying the space is crowded because when it comes to our target audience, so much still needs to be done. Like we're still at the beginning of figuring out that process and there is so much that needs to be done for this community. So I would really love to see more and more entrepreneurs enter this space. This is very encouraging. And uh, you are also, as you said in the beginning of our conversation, you are a wife, a mother of two kids, and you are an entrepreneur who is in the early stages still of building a brand and a business, which can be very, very challenging. How do you balance it all? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the balance. um, You forget about the balance, really. I think that's the first thing. That's what I learned after trying to balance it out and actually figure, figuring out that for me, trying to have a balance was creating more pain because then you're trying to be to allocate the same amount of time for everything all the time. And it just doesn't work out because the human mind doesn't work like that. So I forgot about the balance, but I am able to get through it first because I have a great partner. Really, I'm so lucky to have my partner who's such a, a hands-on dad. He is also an entrepreneur, so he understands that sometimes I my mind is just not at home, right? And I need to concentrate and focus on, on my company. And then he will just take over and he never makes me feel guilty, you know, for going after my dreams. He supports it by being, yeah, a great dad, a great partner, and a great friend. So I have that. A little bit of organization helps, you know, and also just accepting that you're human and sometimes you would fail and you would not be up to the task. And that's okay, you know. When you you miss your child assignment, she, she was supposed to go to school wearing uh, this outfit and you completely forget because you know you feel like a really bad mom and you're like it's fine it's fine she still loves you and you would do better the next time don't beat yourself over this so I guess that's how I'm getting through it just accepting that I'm human that I would not be perfect all the time and yeah I'm having my partner and being organized and having help you know from from my family my in-laws um time to time that that really helps yeah what keeps you motivated and moving forward well, I guess I would say my family really, really does this for me. In France, or should I say in Europe, I have really like my nuclear family, mom, dad, siblings, and I am the eldest. And we, we do come from this culture where 
as the older child, you kind of have to set the example for your younger siblings to, to follow. And so that really keeps me motivated. But I guess I also have this deep desire to show that your circumstances do not have to define who you are, right? When I see where I was born in a developed country, in a very humble family, just like teachers and preachers, spending my vacation in a, in a village deep down in the South where we didn't have electricity or running water. And where I am today, if I hadn't figured out that my circumstances are not what defined me, uh, then I would probably still be, you know, working in, in a job that did not make me happy because I believe that this is what I deserve in life. And I think I want to prove that point to, to, to my close family, to my extended family in Cameroon that you don't have to be your circumstances. And if you put your mind to something and you work hard and you're resilient, and then you can be successful and completely change your circumstances. And these are like, if I'm really being honest, I think this is the one thought that drives me proving that. My final question that I ask is a surprise question. If you met your 18-year-old self today, what advice would you give her? Oh, my God, I would tell her to relax. Oh, just relax, girl. <laughs> relax. She was so uptight and so worried about everything, right? But I understand her. She had so much on her plate trying to figure out how to pay for school, how to leave and stay healthy, stay out of trouble. And so she was too serious. And <laughs> I would tell her to relax and enjoy the process in that um, and, and just believe in believe in herself that it's going to be fine yeah beautiful Noeli thank you so much for this conversation I really thank really enjoyed you. talking to you and thank you for taking the time to to speak with me today I love your story your dedication oh. it's so inspirational everything you have been through where you are today what you are doing uh, your vision I find it very, very inspiring and I really appreciate and I feel very honored that I got to speak with you today. Thank you so, so much, Neri. So this was so much fun um, and I really hope that we get the opportunity to, to talk again, let's say a year from now and see where we are with, with this journey. <laughs> well, thank you so much um, yeah, for taking the time to speak with me today. I, I had a lot of fun. Likewise.